Welcome to New Apology with Emily and Chris. I'm Emily. And Chris, my sidekick. I don't know, are you my sidekick? You're with me each yeah. and every day. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, you keep me going. You keep me going in the right direction. Still haven't gotten a haircut that doesn't look good on camera, but you audio listener only people, you're my people. <laughs> <laughs> Thought about you a lot this morning when I had to shave and like spruce up a little bit to be on camera because I, you know, you're it adorable. is what it is. Anyway. You look more and more like Santa <laughs> every day and I love it. No apology with Emily and Chris. We take apologetic issues and we also take issues of the day. It's a fun variety show. We don't apologize for being Christians. We love the Lord Jesus Christ and all that goes with it. And we are just excited that you're with us. Don't forget, you can go to freshroadmedia.com. All things No Apology with Emily and Chris are at freshroadmedia.com, including blogs, an opportunity to give. And there's also a place for you to leave a voicemail message for us, and we'll actually incorporate you into future shows. Be a part of the show. The more the merrier. I love it. Yeah, don't forget, we are listener-supported. Freshroadmedia.com. We've got a really fun, really exciting show today. Yeah, great guests. Uh, really great guests. And, and here's the thing. I'm, I'm well, let's just bring them in. Okay. Uh, good friend and former colleague, Rod Robison, is with us today. Oh. Now, Rob, I don't, e- Rod, I don't even know how to introduce you because it's like you're a recording artist, you're a broadcaster, you're an illusionist, you're an author. Author now, you're a cactus rancher. You're like you're like this jack of all trades. The godfather of Gila monsters. So who is Rod Robinson? Really? <laughs> you know, all of the above at one point or another in my life. Recording artists, that goes way back. I'm yeah. 70s on that one. Yeah. Well, you. there are going to be listeners that listen to the Christian uh, experience back in the 70s that might know the band. You were, you were actually a founding member in the band Sela. Yeah. I actually, wouldn't you know? I just happened Woo! to have. <laughs> this, we, record, we recorded long before CDs were a thing, but yes. uh, this is a kind of compilation of some of the stuff we did. Yeah. That was back in the 70s. Uh, but boy, what a great, great five years we toured and recorded for five years and. It was wonderful. It was well, well where we got to know you was you were the vice president of family communications, family life communications, when we were the morning show in Phoenix, and then we got transferred to Tucson, and you were there. And so you saw us at our best. You saw us at our worst. But you taught us how to appropriately raise money on the air. You were always in charge of all the share And the one thing I always liked about you, Rod, was that you you really wanted Christ to be honored in the middle of the strategy. That's the vibe you gave me. Was that, hey, we've got these strategies, we've got these plans. Yes, I anticipate in, at the three o'clock hour, we're gonna get 24 phone calls and raise X amount of dollars, and we'd get 23 or 25 phone calls. Like, how did Rod know? You know, all that strategy can easily, you know, overwhelm organizations, but yet you always tried to have Christ be the center. That's the vibe you gave Emily and I. And so, you know, what you're retired now, we're gonna get into whole your whole new world, but. You've done a lot of development work, that's what it's called in the Christian industry, to raise funds, and yet you always seem to always want to see Christ first. Where does that come from? Well, I would probably say from the beginning, from my mom. My mom was a deeply dedicated Christian woman. She raised me that way. Uh, my dad was not a Christian, as as far as, I mean, not to be, not to judge, but as far as I know, throughout his life, he, he was not a Christian, hopefully uh, toward the end he was, but 
Um, my mom was just a deeply dedicated, and, and both of my parents were very big on integrity. And, um, and so I tried to carry that into the, into the workplace and into fundraising. But, um, yeah, there were those, you, you talk about the hours where Rod knew, okay, we're going to have 25, 25 phone calls. And there were yeah. those hours where you go, I think we're probably going to have 25 phone calls. And the hour, like, how did we end up with only five? Uh, yeah, I know that that happened too. But like staffing the call center, staffing the call center for that. And I mean, we would yeah. work so many long hours and. Um, it was I actually, a lot of fun, but yeah, we worked long hand. hours, and it got you. you yeah. Sometimes people got into that world of delirium because you're just yeah. No kidding. Going. Oh, <laughs> I remember, I I put in way too many hours on those things, and I'd get up at oh dark thirty, and mm-hmm. get out you know till nine o'clock at night, and yep. I'd say some things on the air that. Wow. What's your, what's your worst one you ever did during a share that comes to mind? Come on, you got to tell us before we get into unmasking the masquerade. Let's unmask our, our self-esteem. What, what, what was your worst one? I remember one time. Um, I was so tired. I was so tired. and But I was like relentless. You know, I got to get on here. Right? We got to mm-hmm. get phone calls. As you know, you remember those days. And oh, yeah. And um, so I thought, I in my head, I had this great idea for, I was going to talk, and I remember it had something to do with science and astronomy and God's majesty and all this stuff. And and I started talking, and you know how you talk about, you start talking about something and you realize about two sentences in that you are lost. But it's lost. And I kept talking. And I, <laughs> I was not making a lot of sense. And, and, and Dawn, our producer, comes in afterwards. She comes in the studio. She goes, what was that? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I, my my two favorite. I'm like talking along. I'm going, okay, maybe I'm going to get away with this. But no, no, Dawn's yeah. like. Is he? Saw, what does he yeah. say? <laughs> well, you know, my two my two favorites come from uh, the, the 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 fatigue is Peter Brooks, who I thought was one of the best uh, announcers uh, personalities that just solid. He's just one of the best guys I've ever been around in my career uh, overall, from top to bottom as a broadcaster. And I'm on the air with him, and we're both tired. And he and you know, and and people need to know we only played like two or three songs the whole hour. The rest of the time we were talking or playing testimonies or doing something. Yes, I mean maybe six songs. I mean, so it wasn't a lot. It wasn't a music-driven deal. It was uh, raising money. Shareathon. If you listen to Christian radio, you know what I'm talking about. But Peter Brooks introduced Chris Tomlin as uh, um, sometimes grace. My chains fall off. Amazing grace. Uh, yeah, but he said sometimes my grace. chains fell off. Yeah, bit, sometimes grace. My chains <laughs> fell off. You know, here's Tomlin, Chris, or Chris Tomlin. I mean, <laughs> and I laugh so hard. But the worst, my worst moment in a shareathon was, and I still know the number by heart, by the way, and I haven't been on the air with you since 2009. But I'm on with Randy, which always puts extra pressure on you, Randy Carlson. The you know, and and he's he's does his fireside chats, and I mean, the guy's really solid at what he does. And so he turns to me and he says, "Would you pray and take us out?" And so I prayed the phone number on the air with Randy Carlson sitting right to my right. You remember that? Yes. Yeah, Lord, would you please have people call 888 888 
My favorite, the one that I remember, and I, I really believe, if I'm remembering it correctly, that it was you, Rod. We were driving in uh, to do our shift during the share So it was like, you know, 3.30, 4, 4.30, whatever early morning. Oh, dark 30. Hour. And, of course, the share go, you know, long hours. And so yeah. um, we were driving in. It was really early. And this particular share we were celebrating 40 years of broadcasting. So that was kind of the mantra. And We've we been on for 40 years, 40 years, <laughs> four yeah. decades. And yeah, they had the special gift and everything. Yeah. Four decades, 40 years. We'd been, you know, doing this share for days now. And as we're driving in early in the morning, I hear Rod Robinson say, we've been broadcasting for 40 decades now. And <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, no wonder we're tired. <laughs> I didn't realize it had been 40 decades. Yeah. <laughs> it seems, seems like 40 decades. It's only been 40 minutes. But. Yeah. yeah, I broadcasted for 40 decades, one raise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. One time I was on the air and I thought, I thought, well, I'll be clever. And so, you know, there was an artist named uh, Danny Gokey. Yeah. Mm. So come out of his song and said, okie dokie, that's Danny Gokey. <laughs> and our producer looked at she was she was actually co-hosting with me and boy the look I got <laughs> out of the repertoire. Oh well Rod, Emily and I are excited that you're joining us on the on the program today and we want to get into the ministry that God has laid on your heart now because you're yeah. not in broadcasting anymore. You're retired from family life communications and you are moving on with your world as a magician basically but you're not an really illusionist. a magician it's, you're more of an illusionist and and your your website is mental illusions and it's just the book is so incredible let's start talking about that a little bit let's do that the book is called unmasking the masquerade and rod you have used your work as an illusionist to really expose some of the truth biblical truth and the false lies and so the first question i want to ask you is what piqued your curiosity into magic or illusions? Well, when did you start doing that? Yeah. I did it for a very short time, as most 10-year-old boys do. Um, I did it for a year or so, just little pocket tricks. I didn't really pick it up again until I was about 35 years old. So what was that, like seven, eight years ago, I guess. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Like seven or eight decades ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that was that was low hanging fruit. I had to take it. Yeah, you, but, yeah, you grabbed that one. So you picked it up again at thirty five. Okay, so thirty five. So, um, I, I had taken my family camping. We were at Dollywood, which is an amusement park in um, near Gatlinburg, Tennessee. They had a magic a store there. I saw a guy do a magic trick there. Just blew me away. Blew mm -hmm. me away. I literally laid awake that night in the tent trying to figure it out. I could not figure it out. So I went back the next day and I bought the trick. I was like, oh, I never thought about that. It was just a, a fairly simple explanation as are most magic tricks, but I had not even thought about this being possible. Mm. So I bought that and then I bought another one and another one and another one. About that time we moved to Tucson. I started getting involved in uh, the Magic Club with other magicians, mm -hmm. and, um, uh, quite a number of, of 
things. But then there was a point at which I went, you know, I'm not one of these guys that's going to, uh, you know, do make doves appear and cards. Mm-hmm. I'm just not that coordinated. But I do like a, a branch of magic called mentalism, which is like pseudo mind reading kind of stuff. But it, it looks extremely real. It yeah. looks like the real yeah, it thing. does. Yeah, I and your table your table elevating thing is something that I still want to figure out one day. And we'll bring you to Iowa sometime and you can <laughs> and you got to bring the goose with you and we'll get to that in a minute, but yeah, you want to figure them out and you can't, but then when you do look behind the curtain, you see how simple it is. It's yeah. yeah. Well, and that's kind of the point that I that I make is something may look extremely real. But when you peel back the mask, that's thus the name of the of the book. When you peel back the mask, then you see, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's a great life lesson for us, right? Um, that sometimes deceptions can come on us as very innocent, and we don't mm. see the deception behind it. Yeah. Until we look at it from a different angle, so we get mm-hmm. so. And this is one thing I teach in, in the seminar that I do, which we can get to in a little bit. But yep, I teach a subjectivity versus objectivity. So subjectivity, let's say that's an audience member watching an illusionist or watching my show. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing one angle, right? Mm-hmm. And you have a very subjective view of that. It looks like mind reading, for instance. I have then, as the illusionist or the mental illusionist, I have the objective view now i can see the subjective view because i've been in the audience but i can see Mm -hmm. the objective and that's a great life lesson because we need the subjectivity we also need the objectivity so that we can look at everything from a an objective objective and subjective view so that we can see all angles of it and then we're going to be less open to deception yeah, why do you think, like, when it comes to, like, the supernatural, because it, it looks like you're doing these supernatural things that, you know, humans can't really do, it's almost like Christians are a little more susceptible to falling into those pits, because we do realize that there is a supernatural world, but yes, yes, yes. we need to, as Christians, be very discerning about what's real what's not? What are some of those pitfalls that we as Christians face? Mm-hmm. Great question. And that, if there's any central theme of, of the book, that's that's it. Uh, I actually wrote this book, along with two other illusionists, by the way, um, primarily t- two Christians, mm-hmm. because I was seeing a lot of deception within the church with regard to the supernatural, the paranormal, and so on. And sometimes, because, Emily, as you pointed out, because we we do believe in, this, in the supernatural, for sure, but sometimes we see deceptions as all things supernatural. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that must have been the devil. This must have been the devil. That must have, you know, um, man, my, my picnic got rained out. Well, that's, you know, that was Satan trying to ruin my family. No, well, you know, maybe it was just God's sovereignty. Maybe it was right. just, <laughs> Maybe they needed rain there, you know? <laughs> maybe not, it's not all about me and my picnic, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, why is it every time we get a, why is it every time we get a parking spot right in, right in front of the steps, it's like this favor of God. But does that mean Satan's attacking me when I got to park in the back of the lot? You know, same thing. 
No kidding. Well, you know, and, and you could take it even a step further. Um, so, for instance, um, let's say, you know, I'm praying for a healing and and it happens. And and I hear people go, you know, God's so good. He's so faithful. He, um, you know, he answered my, and, it, and, and, and that's absolutely true. But I always, I always also say, yeah, but what about the guy who prayed for the healing and it didn't happen? Right. And that's right. where somebody comes into it. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I, it wasn't my faith alone that brought the healing because the guy who didn't get the healing, he maybe had more faith than I do. But God's sovereignty has to be played into everything that we experience. We have to understand that. That's or, the big thing. That's the big thing is that, um, you know, when when you got people who, who know that faith is going to activate God, without it, you're not activating God. But God's sovereignty is st- once it's activated, it's still His. Mm-hmm. It's still His. Why does one guy get healed and the other guy doesn't? Why? Why does? Yep, yep. You know, I always go back to Chris Tomlin and Matthew West. Okay, they both had their first single released almost at the same exact time, and Indescribable came out, and Matthew West had more. Chris Tomlin then had another song, "How Great Is Our God," that took him to where now he's doing arena shows. And Matthew West needed another full album before he could even open for like the Mercy Me's Casting Crowns of the World. And eventually Matthew made it up. But but why? Why? Why Casting Crowns and not the other church worship band? Well, the song yeah. I Can Only the Body, um, what's the, If We Are the Body, mm-hmm. that song came out in 2003, I think. That put them on the map. So God's yeah, sovereign, yeah. you know, why this? Why not that? Why? It, so God's sovereignty is a big, big part of our ministry, and I'm so excited to hear you talk about that too. So, yeah. could I let me just draw, let's, let yeah. me just draw a quick analogy on that? I like to think of God's sovereignty as we look at the back. Have you ever seen the back of a tapestry? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a mess. It looks horrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. You yeah. turn that thing down, and it's a piece of art. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the way I look at it. We we that's that subjective objective view, right? Mm-hmm. We. Back, we're looking at the back of the tapestry in in many many aspects of our lives. We don't see the beauty that's behind it. If we could look at it from the other side, which someday we will, obviously, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. we're going to see the beauty of it all. Oh, oh, all that mess in the back—that's that's making sense now, right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we've come a long way in our country where, uh, like, everything is embraced as legitimate now. Uh, the And so I, I like to go back and I look at, you know, here's the founding of our country based on Christian principles. There were many um, revivals and, uh, and great awakenings that were taking place. And the gospel really was a big part of our American heritage it's not anymore. Like I said, we're embracing everything, including those things that you're talking about, those false supernatural things. Yeah. Um, so when did that begin? When was the inception of the deception? You know, a lot of times we tend to think that in our culture, in our country right now, we are uh, in the most deceptive time of all. And there certainly could be an argument for that, but it's not mm-hmm. the first time. Because if you look back at, let's say, the early 1800s, okay, so uh, we were getting a bit complacent. You know, church membership was way down. You, we tend to think of those times as, oh, well, everybody went to church. That, that come, comes in waves in our, in our country, in our culture. So there was a time, early 1800s, for instance, <clears throat> when we were, <clears throat> we were uh, not where we should have been, having been a country based on 
Christian uh, Judeo principles. Mm-hmm. So along comes the Second Great Awakening, and that brought things back a bit. But we there were still uh, times in that early 1800 time uh, where, boy, we were way off the track from where this country yeah. was founded. So, as I point out in my book, there's a chapter in my book about this. <clears throat> there were some things that had come along um, that had really brought into question in people's minds and in our culture um, those Christian principles. For instance, one thing was the Enlightenment, um, <clears throat> which in, in many angles of that, um, they, they did not see, as the Enlightenment made waves in our country, people were like, well, maybe we don't need God, right? Maybe maybe he's not the God of the Bible, and so on. Mm-hmm. Another thing was the Industrial Revolution had come along and changed everything, was beginning to change everything, um, all kinds of, of new mechanisms and new ways of communication and so on. So here's what happened. Here, the, here's the point. In 1848, there were two little girls in Hydeville, New York, who pulled a little trick on their mother and long story short it looks as though they were communicating with the dead and their mother believed it it was Mm -hmm. a trick and in my book i go into the details of what it was but that little deception turned into one of the biggest religious waves in this country a lot of people don't know that but there was a there was a new religion that spawned out of these two little girls and their tricks it was called spiritualism Uh millions of americans gravitated from christianity to spiritualism what was spiritualism basically it was a belief that you could communicate with the dead um it was very very unbiblical obviously at that level but on many other levels as well um huge huge way. Mary Todd Lincoln, President Lincoln's wife, was a spiritualist. Mm-hmm. They had seances mm-hmm. in the White House. Mm. President Lincoln did attend some of them, although he went after one of these mediums and had him exposed and kicked out of the White House. But that's how, um, that's how pernicious and how prevalent spiritualism was in our country. Along comes then the Civil War. Mm-hmm. thousands and thousands of young men dying. Guess what? That gave a new wave to spiritualism, to the deception, mm-hmm. because people, Mary Todd Lincoln being one of them, yeah. uh, wanted to contact their dead boys. Mm-hmm. And because of the fear that had just taken over our country at that time, people were willing, and they were open to deception. There's a very dear friend of mine, um, who's a magician. His name's Dan Coram. He's an author. And I asked him one time, I said, what is the most difficult person to deceive? And here's what he said. I thought, boy, I got to write this one down. And I, and I talk about it in my book. He said, the most difficult person to deceive is the person who loves the truth mm. more than they fear their pain. Mm. And that's profound. Yeah, I need to write that down. That's a good one. Yeah, pain's a pretty motivating factor, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it, it is. And it yeah. opens you up to deception because why? You'll do anything to get rid of that fear. Yeah. yeah. It is a motivator in a bad way. Yeah. Well, one of the things I want to jump on and add on here is that 
when you in your book you you talk about those two girls little trick and I and I'm paraphrasing I don't want to spend too much time on it but the little trick they did was with their foot with a loose floorboard uh, am I accurate there in my memory yeah and, that was one of them. yeah some others and so they would ask a question and then the you know with their feet under the table they'd click this little floorboard three times or four times or whatever they were asking for and but it, but they, but would echo around the room so it felt like the dead were communicating. That's how yeah, spiritualism they, started. Adrian Van yeah. Vector, your co-author, is the last like full magician show I saw, and that was like 10 years ago. He's so good. And he was explaining in that show the deception of you know how you pull the coin out of nothing and drop it in the bucket and keep pulling the coin. Yeah. During his show, he explained how a guy did that in a like a third world country to become like a god where people would oh. you know, you, you know, you, you, it's in your book. So I mean you can I'd love for you to share that on the tail end of this. This story about how basically it's manufactured deception, and it's it's just crushing people. Yeah, yeah. Adrian actually exposed one of the big gurus in India that was using magic. India, that was it. I knew it was far, yeah. far away. That's, that's right. all I could remember. I can't remember the guy's name, but he he had it, millions of followers. Yeah, yeah. And and it was just a simple coin trick with a bucket, you know. It was, and so yeah. that kind of deception. Um, you know, I think is is it's important for us to get it out. And again, the name of the book, the first book, we're going to talk about another book in a minute. It's called Unmasking the Masquerade. Rod Robinson's our special guest. Uh, we go we go way back with work and broadcasting together, and it's just been fun to have him on the show. Yeah. So, Rod, I want to ask you because uh, I think there's a lot of Christians that are fully aware of the dangers of um, this this deception that you're talking about. And so do you ever get pushback from people who are wondering, well, why are you involved in doing these illusions? And and do they ever, do you ever get pushback? Like, yeah. Do you ever get, hey, people? you're a Christian, Rod, how can you, you be doing that? You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Do you ever get that? Believe it or not, very rarely. Okay. Um, I can think of two instances where I did the floating table you were talking about. Mm-hmm. That's the one that freaks people out the most. I love and that it, one. That's that's my yeah. favorite. <laughs> well, that's the so, goose. We'll get to that in a minute too. But go ahead. I was doing it at a church in uh, Midland, Michigan, and afterwards, a woman came up to me, and and I mean, in front of everybody was standing around and talking to me, just just ripped into me about you know how how dare you do something demonic like that, and so I listened patiently. And I, and I said, you know, I could tell you how that's done in 30 seconds. It's a simple explanation. And I'm telling you, you would smack your forehead and you'd go, oh, really? That's it? Yes. But it's done in such a way that it looks very deceptive. It looks like the table's floating when, in fact, there's a simple explanation. Mm. She seems somewhat... Which you won't share with me. <laughs> I gotta go buy the trick someday. I guess I can. You can purchase these things now. I guess, but that's a totally different thing. But no, it's really good. So, so they, so did they accept your explanation that it's a simple thirty-second explanation? I think she. I think it gave her something to think about. I had there was another case where I was I was setting up uh, my show at a church. Lady walks in um, and she says, "You know, last time you were here, you made a, a table levitate and." I told the pastor, I said, that doesn't has no place in this church. And and uh, I may I may leave the church. So mm. he said, he assured me, no, it's just a trick. And 
But I, you know, here's the thing. When, when you do something like that, there are, there are a lot of people who go, there's no other explanation. That had to be demonic. There's no, mm-hmm. well, the matter of fact, there is, there is, <laughs> there's just an explanation. You just don't see it, right? Right, right. right. And so, so she said, so I sat down and talked to her and I said, again, you know, I could show you, I'm not going to, but I could show you how this is done. And you would go, oh, that's a simple explanation. She seemed to be okay with that. Okay. Now, she didn't show up at, at the show that night. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, you know, 99.9% of the people, the Christian audiences I do uh, yeah. show for, I, I don't get pushback. That's yeah. awesome. I, that's wonderful. I usually give a, a light disclaimer. I don't want to insult the audience by saying, now, please understand nothing I'm doing is supernatural or paranormal because most people are going to go, yeah, I get that. Don't, you know, right. don't yeah. insult the Come yeah. on. Yeah. Right, I don't right. I give a very light disclaimer. Basically. So, Rod, the big thing that I wanted to ask is what do you tell people like in a coffee situation when they say that had to be supernatural? There's no other explanation. And when you go to tell them, look, there's nothing supernatural in any of this stuff. It's all basically parlor tricks in one way, shape, or form. How do you tell that to people in like a quick little three, four, five minutes sitting around having a cup of coffee? Well, I would say, first of all, not everybody can be convinced because they may have a predisposition where it's like, no, no, no. I know I know, Satan's behind it, period. You can't change my mind. If they're open to you know, an explanation, I'll say... Look, I know how these things are done. I've seen thousands and thousands of magic tricks that looked so real. They look like supernatural. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know how they're done. And you're just going to have to trust me that I could tell you, I could probably tell you in just a minute or so how that magician did this, but I'm not going to. It's not mine to expose, but I'm. you're just going to have to trust me that there is an explanation. You just don't see that explanation. All right, so uh, the thing that's on my mind right now is this goose that you keep bringing up, (laughs) and I remember the goose. It was very, very good. It was like a mind-reading goose or something like that. It's just fun. Rod goes around and reads people's thoughts uh, through this goose. (laughs) (laughs) Of course he does. Now they they know I'm demonic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Because when I think demons, I think geese. <laughs> so, Chris, what was it that you wanted? There's a lot to that. Oh, well, I, well, the goose has a name and I can't remember it. Well, it depends on the situation. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was a goose. It's a, it's a her and I call her Claire. Okay. Clairvoyant the goose. Yes. <laughs> clairvoyant the goose so when did now this is almost like a signature thing of yours and so how did the goose come about i mean did you just need a prop and you just decided on that you know um (laughs) i I first saw this done by a magician 30 over 30 years ago on a tv special and i went man if i could ever do that i would love love to do that it's so funny and and just fun. I mean, the, the long story short, the goose, you put a pen in the goose's beak and I put a, a notebook in front of him. And then he he answers people like I'll say, think of a number between one and ten. And the goose writes it down. And then the guy I say, OK, what was your number? Eight. And I turn it around. The goose knew it was eight. And it says eight on there. 
Okay, so I saw that <laughs> on this TV special, and I, it was hilarious. It was so funny. But I thought, well, I'm not going to steal the guy's idea. You know, it's his. Well, lo and behold, 20 years later, I open up a magic magazine, and the guy's selling the act. I don't care how much it cost, and it was not cheap. Um, I've been dreaming about doing, doing this one for 20 years. Yeah. I'm buying that goose. Yeah. And I did. And and it kills, man. It It's so fun to do. Okay, yeah. I got one question. Because this whole time, you have a wife, you have kids. What is your wife thinking when you're like, honey, I got to buy this goose, okay? <laughs> like, I know it's a lot of money. But I think it's really going to pay off in the end. Well, like, what? What's her response? Did How she get the, tired of your little tricks? Did or the what's sales the deal? to her include it's a mind reading goose <laughs> <laughs> with magic beans? Right? Yes. If it hadn't been a mind reading goose, I probably could have bought it really cheap. But it reads minds, honey. <laughs> There's clairvoyant and Rod Robinson. Yeah. Okay, so here's a little secret. My wife doesn't like magic so <laughs> and so here's what i did years ago i took her out to dinner <clears throat> i said i know i spend some money on magic stuff i'm gonna start doing shows paid shows so i can pay for it so i have my own little account yeah when i want to buy something i buy it she doesn't care it's fine as long yeah. as i don't dip into the into the family budget and I yeah that's Kind of like our old stand-up comedy shows paid for a vehicle, you know? We, we, we bought a vehicle to cut through the snow and ice to get back to our show in Michigan when we started doing uh, comedy up there. And the comedy shows had to pay the had to pay the uh, note. And yeah, it did well, for like three years. No, so. I love it because once the once the wife and the husband are like minded and they're in agreement, um, God can do some really amazing things when the two are on the same page. So. Thank you to your wife for allowing you to do that, because I know that you've brought a really excellent testimony and really fun, entertaining evenings for a lot of people, particularly across the South. But uh, so thank you. Thank you. Do you have any final thoughts you want to share with us today, Rod? Um, you know, I've just recently started. Well, recently, last couple of years, I've been doing a seminar called The Magic of Cultivating Positive Emotions, and I do it at an area resort. A um, couple times a month, in the and I do mentalism, along with a teaching on on how to cultivate a, a, some positive emotions, and the response has been overwhelming. I get they have little comment cards, and this is a real high end resort in Tucson, and the comment cards, I'm I'm looking at those comment cards, going, this is transformational for these people. Mm. Yeah, and so I went, this needs a book. So I took the core of the teaching, mm -hmm. and I and I expanded it out, and now the book is in editing phase. In fact, I'm meeting with the editor right after this podcast. Awesome! And uh, should be out this fall. Are you guys? Is it the cover I'm showing right now? Uh, if those for those of you audio listeners, we do have a video program that goes along with it. Um, so if you're watching on Rumble or YouTube, you'll see it. The magic of cultivating positive emotions. And, um, you know, that's that, that is that the cover? Is that the final cover? My daughter designed that. She's a Ooh. Oh, fantastic. Nice. All in the family. <laughs> right. Uh, do you have a website or how can people contact you if they want to get more information, book a show or just get more information on the books that you have? Uh, probably the easiest <clears throat> easiest one to remember is TucsonMagician.com. T-U-C-S-O-N. TucsonMagician.com. All right. Yeah. 
Yeah, Very no, that good. sounds fantastic. And awesome. and we wanna we wanna bring you to Iowa. I like watching, you know, I follow you on Facebook when you're out doing your events and so we gotta figure all that out. But um <laughs> right now, right now we're going to uh, uh switch gears and do something different. We're not taking a break, but we're gonna bring in another guest. What do you think, Emily? Is it time? Uh yeah, it's time to get the band back together. <laughs> uh another former colleague of yours, Rod Robinson, Mike Shaw, he's here in Iowa with us. And he's going to join us. And I'm hoping you're going to be willing, Rod, to join us to play a little game that we like to play called Right On, Way Off. And it's the rules are really easy. All you have to do is think a little bit. I'm going to throw out some statements and you three get to be my panel. And each panel member gets to give their thoughts on the statement that I throw out there. It can be on any topic under the sun. And you can either agree or disagree by letting me know whether the statement is right on or way off. Correct. So, (laughs) and if the statement is Chris Danielson is just smoking handsome, we're all right on on that. Hey, Chris, turn on my mic. Oh, yeah, there. Uh, Thank you. Appreciate it. I got to bring Mike Sean on the show. I was going to say, Rod, how you doing, man? (laughs) I had him potted down for no reason. (laughs) I tell you what, Chris can do some uh, magic, too. He pushed a button, and I appeared out of nowhere. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I love it. Now can you push a button and levitate, Mike? That's what yeah, I want. Yeah. Yeah. We need to put a trap door under Chris's chair. I think that's what we really need to do. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I no, just that's can't. a big... <laughs> they gave me sound effects too, Rod. Excuse me. <laughs> That's, all right, all, Emily. To keep Chris happy. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Emily. All right. First three. question. <laughs> Like I said, it can be a statement about anything under the sun. Some are fun. Some are serious. First question out of the shoot. You can tell me whether you agree or disagree. We're going to start with you, Chris. Okay. The statement is this. Mm-hmm. The, book, the book is always better than the movie. Is that right on or way off? I am right on on this because of one book and one movie. <laughs> <laughs> we should base all our decisions on just that one thing. Small yeah. sample size, but maybe uh, And again, I know this isn't a Christian book, and I'm not trying to promote not reading Christian literature, but I have a secret uh, that I don't keep secret. I mean, it's just I don't make it publicly known, but John Grisham, I own every one of his books. I'm on a list where he comes out with a new novel in, in April or October. I automatically get a hardcover. Nice. And his book, The Firm, was one of the best thriller novels I've ever read. And that's my genre. Don't laugh at me, Emily. And then I watched the movie with Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. I was crushed. And you love Tom crushed. Cruise. And I love Tom Cruise. <laughs> Gene Hackman, another one. I love them, guys. They, apparently, the movie was great. The Firm, yeah. right? I, I mean, I have no I idea. I don't know. I don't, I don't I, read I, that I watched it, and halfway watch through, it. I'm like, they're, they're ruining my book. <laughs> so I am <laughs> right on on that. All right. Let's go to Rod Robison. What do you think? The book is always better than the movie. Right on or way off? Always is <sighs> a bit extreme. I would say generally the book's better than the movies because sometimes they have to take too much poetic license. They have to cut things out. And I've, I've heard enough people say, oh, man, the book was so much better than yeah. the movie. And I think that's the case. Well, see, but uh, what if they made a documentary of unmasking the masquerade? 
We tried. We I couldn't raise it. I told Rod I wanted rights to the book for a year, and that went by really quick. Who would, who would play Rod? Rod. The Goose. Have you seen any of my documentaries? I do a good job. I could have done it. Here's what I want to know. My follow-up question. Would the Goose be right on or way off on this? Oh. Uh, you're going to have to bring me to Iowa. <laughs> there you go. It'll there answer. You go. All right. I like that. I like that. Yes. All right, Mike Shaw, what do you think? Is the book always better than the movie? Yeah, so I am right on with that. Of course, Clairvoyant already knew that. Um, <laughs> and one right. very specific example would be Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Books. My oh. grandparents oh. got that for me when I was a kid, and I yeah. read it at a pretty young age. And then Disney comes up with their nonsense and all the dancing cartoon bears and stuff. It's like, have you ever read the Jungle Books? Right. They're, it's amazing. And then Ricka Tikka Tavi, come on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, that specific. Now, Lord of the Rings, you could argue, pretty epic Those movie. Narnia, too. Narnia, yeah. too. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, you know, you might convince me with those. But. I'm still going to go right on. Yeah, I'm going to go right on with that as well, particularly because I'm a huge Shakespeare fan. And I remember I, I bought these books and I came in and I started reading uh, The Comedy of Errors. And I was reading for maybe 15, 20 minutes. And Chris comes walking in and he's like, so what's going on? And I start telling him what's going on. And it took me about 15, 20 minutes to tell him <laughs> what's going on. And he's like, how many pages are you into this? And I said, uh, like three. <laughs> and he's like, all that happened in just that in on three in three pages. I'm like, yeah, there's it's amazing what you can cram into a book versus yeah. what you can put on film. So yeah. Forty decades worth of stuff. <laughs> Forty decades worth of stuff. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Okay, question. And if number you want to learn two. more, dial tri- or pray triple eight triple All right, Emily, go ahead. Question number two. We're going to start with Rod this time. Uh, Back in the day, math teachers, they told us we had to memorize our math tables because, quote, you won't have a calculator with you everywhere you go, end quote. (laughs) Were those teachers right on or way off? So way off. (laughs) (laughs) And oh, by the way. Yeah. Why did I spend so much time trying to learn Algebra 2? I don't think I've ever used it. (laughs) Well, you got to Algebra 2. Kudos to you. (laughs) All I know is X times Y equals a waste of time. (laughs) That's all I know. X, we don't know. We don't know why you're by yourself, X, and we don't care why. Uh, (laughs) Mike Shaw, were those teachers right on or way off? Uh, They were way off. Obviously, you can... You can ask your, uh, well, AI is going to solve all of our problems. But, but I mean, even before that, you have your phone, of course, and then you can ask your assistant. I don't want to trigger anybody's uh, device out there by saying, you know, hey, what's your name? Uh, but you can, <laughs> they can do math for you, too. So I know, right? It's everywhere. And I think artificial intelligence eventually is going to be like, you're going to think of a question and it's going to give right. you an answer. It's going to spit out we're an all answer getting somehow, a, some way. We're all getting a clairvoyant uh, implant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Chris, were your teachers right on or way off? They were way off on a lot did of stuff. Did you even show up for school that day? I did sometimes. <laughs> you know, sometimes. Okay. You know? Okay. I mean, way off, way off. You look at my childhood as if I was like, you know, drugged through the streets of Panama every day or (laughs) something. It wasn't quite that bad. But no, my teachers, uh, they, you know, they, 
how many of us knew that we were going to have this smartphone technology in our right, pocket? Right, We knew exactly. we were getting cell technology. I, I saw an article back in the 60s uh, mm-hmm. of a lady holding a little like like thing that looked almost like a phone. Mm-hmm. And they said that there will be a t- little TV in it and all this stuff. Yeah. That was in the late 60s news article in well, the yeah. New York Times. And so, I mean... You never know how they're going to be or what they're going to say. That's uh, the thing. But I would say that they were right on in in a way where they were trying to get you to learn, but they were yes. way off and trying to use an a, an analogy that obviously turned around and bit yeah. them. Yeah, I I'm thinking I'm gonna say, I think I'm gonna I love that thought. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that they were way off. Like here's the deal: what happens when you lose your phone? Are you just gonna start drooling in a cup, or what are you gonna do? <laughs> or do you remember those math facts? Can you figure it yeah. out? All but, I know is I know nobody's phone number anymore, yeah, other than my right? immediate family. I, I know that's yeah. kind of a unnerving thing yeah. when you think about it. So apparently, the Jetsons, the creators of the Jetsons, they knew something. We did not know. Just no flying cars. Yeah. Right. All right. Question number three. And I worked for Mr. Spacely for about six months. So. <laughs> Can I get Just a free saying. cog when you get uh, <laughs> in the car? All right, when do ahead. I get Alice back? Come <laughs> exactly. on. Exactly. Okay. Question number three. We'll start with Mike. Uh, here's a quote. I'm not going to tell you who it's from. Okay. It says, anything that makes me need God is a blessing. Ooh. Anything, Anything that makes me need Anything. God is a blessing. So I'm thinking Ooh. of all the anythings. I'm thinking <laughs> yes. about just how tough that could really be. Yeah. But of course, that's right on. Yeah. Of course it is. Um, God is everything. Uh, knowing God through his son Jesus is everything. Mm-hmm. What he did for me is everything. We're going to spend the rest of eternity with him. That's everything. So, yeah, it's right on. Awesome. Rod Robinson, what do you have to say about that? I, what he said. That's what <laughs> yeah. I, I got nothing after that, man. Yeah. yeah. Ditto. <laughs> Ditto. I know. Sometimes the question answers itself, and then when you don't get to go first, you just got to be like, <laughs> Well, you could add to it. Maybe, Chris. Anything that makes me need God is a blessing. Do you agree with that? I'm going to say you've way been off. Th- you've been through some rough stuff. I'm going to say way off because not everything that we go through is necessarily a blessing, but it's all mm-hmm. under God's sovereignty. Yeah. But I think if I hear that, I think of that more as a turn of phrase with the anything, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. versus just anything. But those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have put our full trust in him. And at the end of the day, he's all we have. Yeah. And so if something's coming in, in and out of my life um, that... Uh, uh, you know, I I don't like the devil made me do it, and I don't like that God allowed all this stuff to happen to teach me a lesson. I think that there's a gray area in there on something, so I'll I'll go way off on that. Way off? Well, you're way off. That's Nancy Lee Demoss. Well, Nancy Demoss Wolgamuth is Bless not you. her last name. <laughs> is that her name? Wolgamuth. Wolgamuth. Yes, Nancy just, Demoss Wolgamuth. Let's She's go with Mellencamp. <laughs> Nancy Demoss Mellencamp. Wonderful Bible teacher. She says she anything that makes town? me need God uh, yeah. is a blessing. And that, I got to say, is right on because he is ultimately a reward. And anything that keeps driving us back to him um, really, truly is the ultimate. So very well, good, guys. That's awesome. Let's go around yeah. the horn. Uh, Mike Shaw, final thoughts on this episode, and then yeah. Rod Robinson will get your final, final, final thoughts. Well, Rod, it's really good to see you again. We're getting the band it's back good. together. I'm glad you're coming to <laughs> Iowa. It's great up here. You're going to love it. I can't wait to see you and uh, to run a, you know, to meet Claire again. 
Yeah, hopefully nobody shoots her. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I want to put one of those like orange vests on her. Yeah. Or something. Don't dress her like a pheasant. <laughs> Don't come in the fall. <laughs> She's in trouble. All right. <laughs> I, I can't hear. I can't. Okay, uh, Rod. Final thoughts. What you thinking, brother? Final thoughts. A couple of thoughts. Number one, I apologize for my background. I've got to get that in. We just had our entire house repiped. Ooh. <laughs> Everywhere. So I know people through this whole thing are going, man, what a slob. No. no, they're like, there's an angelic glow about him. Yeah, no, all I, all I, I'm looking over your one shoulder and I just keep thinking, did I fold and put away my own underwear? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're towels, but I'm just joking. No, you said that when we started, by the way, uh, for you listening, gosh. Rod Robinson said, I don't know, my background is bad. I'm like, because in Zoom calls, you can, you can mute it, but on this e-link, we can't, and no. it's, it is what it is, but anyway. Home repairs. What are you going to do? Much grace, much grace for yeah. you. That's you. awesome. I, 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 I said, I got to shoehorn that in somewhere. I'm yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, I, 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 it's so fun seeing all three of you together again. Yeah. Man, we yeah. have some, had some good times in ministry, yeah. in radio, all four of us together, and it's yep. just wonderful reconnecting with you. Yeah. Yeah, any of the bad times that we had don't amount to nothing when we think about how the kingdom needle was yeah. moved when uh, when not just the four of us, but I mean, we, we all know about 60 other colleagues that had impacts on mm-hmm. our career, we had impact on their career, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, if Jesus is honored and the kingdom is advanced... I'm cool with whatever God has planned for us. And, and we are all going to party in the new Jerusalem woo-hoo. together. Yeah. That's going to be a good thing. Yeah. yeah. And Rod's going to walk around with the goose. Yeah. <laughs> Clara will be there. Clara will the goose be there. Is by the way, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, Emily, what do you think? It's time to say goodbye. It is time to say goodbye. And I'm kind of sad about that. Time flies while you're having fun. But thank you so much to everyone who has joined us. Don't forget to go to freshroadmedia.com. Remember, we are listener-supported. Every gift, no matter the size, is very, very important to us. And there is actually a gift of Bible Idiots, the DVD or the download, when you give on an ongoing basis. Don't forget, go to freshroadmedia.com and join us again right here. No apology with Emily and Chris. Woohoo! Got it.